Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. And now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Evergreen is calling. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and as always, delighted to be here today. Never before in the history of our nation has an emerging industry faced so many regulatory and legal obstacles. Despite ongoing legal roadblocks and new threats emerging from the current administration, the cannabis industry has not only managed to survive, it continues to thrive and grow on an unprecedented scale. There's good reason for that, having to do with passion and determination of industry stakeholders who venture into the business of cannabis despite the obvious risks. When we ask them why, some will say they're driven by altruistic motives, having seen the way cannabis transforms lives. Others will say it's because of the inevitable rewards that far outweigh the risks. There's no doubt that state regulation is offering incredible financial opportunity for a new generation of entrepreneurs, despite obstacles caused by continued federal prohibition. Some of the greatest obstacles facing the cannabis companies have to do with practical aspects of day-to-day business that no other new industry has had to face. Insurance, banking, and advertising are essential for running any successful enterprise, but since they're subject to federal regulation, these companies are barred from conducting business with any entity promoting federally illegal substances like cannabis. And with cannabis sales topping out at billions of dollars, it is surprising that the pro-business administration hasn't done more to allow these all-American businesses access to the most fundamental tools for success. So what are stakeholders doing to circumvent these legal and regulatory obstacles? Well, that's a question we asked today's guest, Sergey Kristoff, the financial partner for Honest Marijuana Company, a maker of organic and eco-conscious cannabis products. Sergey is well-versed in all aspects of the marijuana industry, having been involved in the development and launch of Honest Marijuana Company. He regularly contributes on political, economic, and financial topics as they relate to the cannabis industry. And today we have lots of questions. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Just so that we have a little bit of background on you, tell me, how is it that you got into the cannabis industry or how did you become interested to start with? I mean, cannabis was of an interest of mine uh, since. Uh, 
my early teens, when the first experiences with the plant happened. Uh, but uh, quite frankly, the hypocrisy surrounding and the mystery and parenthesis that was surrounding uh, the plant was always something that I was curious about. There's not enough information. Uh, cannabis at present, one of the oldest medicines and uh, mentioned by anybody from Ibn Sina to the modern practitioners, yet uh, there is virtually no mentioning of endocannabinoid system, our own system that responding, um, that is respond responsible for the effect cannabis uh, performing our body in the modern medical um, educational books. Um, all of this kind of was always very fascinating, interesting, and uh, you know when the country started opening up their doors to the industry in general. It's just kind of one of those things that I almost couldn't stay away. And when you became a financial partner, are you overseeing day-to-day uh, -day business, or are you basically more of a silent partner but advocating on behalf of the business? Uh, I am uh, not a partner in the business. I'm the uh, financial advisor to the business, and I was one of the earliest investors in Honest Marijuana Company. So yes, day-to-day -day operation is not something that I do. Uh, advocating on behalf of the business, on behalf of the industry, uh, working on the uh, medical and technical implementations of the new technologies that are um, um, that are new to the industry, uh, but not new to the other neighboring pharmaceuticals, tobacco, etc. Industries is what. Um, my interest and the media role today is. Right. So what are some of the biggest obstacles that you've identified or witnessed? Um, biggest obstacle is probably still um, misunderstanding of the industry, misinterpretation of different aspects. Uh, we're talking about banking, uh, insurance, uh, primitive simple things that a lot of businesses don't even understand as the problem. Uh, not, able, not being able to deposit uh, some of the cash proceeds. So actually, uh, amount of cash that business generates is probably the main reason um, because uh, uh, retailers are not able to generate sufficient enough bankable um, uh, revenue. Obviously, their suppliers also kind of end up dealing with the additional aspect, which would be cash. Banks uh, rejecting acceptance of this cash on the direct pretenses. So, um, I mean, there is always that tug of war, uh, opening and closing accounts, uh, misrepresenting yourself to um, banking institutions, and uh, uh, dealing with the uh, going around subjects instead of just simply concentrating on uh, growing and expanding business. Um, insurance aspect. Uh, loans, um, real estate, dealing with the uh, some areas of the market where um, landlords will not be open-minded, so not being able to capture uh, a better locations for the retail or more comfortable locations for the manufacturing. Um, all of this comes from the lack of education, um, duality of the position between the federal states, and quite frankly. Again, between uh, the two-faced policy of the uh, federal government, where except 
property taxes is okay, but providing a facility for the improving sales revenues and potentially increasing the amount of taxes that they will be accepting is not okay. Uh, that's just uh, uh, the 20,000 view how I see the problem. It really is surprising to me. Like I said in the opening, it's very surprising to me that in this sort of pro-business climate that we're in right now, that there's still so much resistance. I mean, what do you think is the cause of the biggest resistance to this industry from a federal regulatory level? It probably starts with ignorance, uh, unwillingness and inability to think uh, innovatively. Uh, And the other one would be um, my guess, and again, uh, that is the answer to virtual anything. You've got to follow the money. So there are obviously lobbying groups and there are special interests that are not really welcoming um, a medicine that is available for everybody, uh, not welcoming uh, a cheap cellulose that hemp and cannabis produce. There's no secret that on the same square footage, you can produce way more beneficial cellulose growing hemp than you would grow in any other tree or any other uh, element. So why wouldn't we switch? I mean, the answer is simple. There is a lot of um, uh, industries that are already connected to how things are. And status quo is acceptable for everybody. So not something that people are trying to change. Um, old money would like to keep uh, things the way they are. And new money is not, uh, industry money is not strong enough yet to get over that hump. So and that is kind of where the major issues lies. Everything else uh, grows from it. I think that um, as far as the... Uh big corporate money. You know, I've been following the volatility of the stock market when it comes to the emerging cannabis publicly traded companies. And we see millions of trades on all of these different companies. And yet the stock price is just still pretty low. And I think that there's a lot of investor trepidation and a lot of day trading that goes on. But it seems to me with so many trades happening, that there would be an opportunity or, or it, it just seems to be indicative of a feeling that there is big money to go into cannabis. What's your feeling on that? Have you found that there are a lot of bigger corporations that are now starting to take an interest in cannabis as an alternative investment? I believe big money will go into cannabis, and big money is already going into cannabis. Uh, look at the cancellation purchase in the Canadian market. We took a portion of the uh, largest, or one of the largest uh, participants in the Canadian industry. It's a simpler strategy for them to comprehend. They're able to invest. And quite interestingly, uh, by participating in the industry in Canada, they <laughs> allowed and access to the larger hedge funds and the larger aggressive money in the U.S. to to participate in the industry directly through purchasing their shares. So Constellation owns a piece of one of the largest uh, manufacturing, let's say, distributor of cannabis in a country like Canada. 
invites um, it invites money from the investors interested in the field to be invested in itself for the participation. And just think about it. It's a very creative move. I believe it is a benefit to the shareholders. There is a benefit for some people that are looking for larger contributions to the field. However, it is not a direct in- investment. It's not something that creates uh, additional jobs or creates additional opportunities or moves the industry forward. It is more an opportunity for the larger uh, money to benefit from the development and uh, creation of such industry. Um, direct investment, obviously, uh, all those rules on ownership and who and where can own businesses, uh, limitations by state, and uh, overall um, duality of uh, how the law is interpreted on the state and federal level prohibits an investor, a direct investor, to go into this business from the place um, where he's at, if this uh, industry is pre- um, allowed to prohibit it in his state, he's just not very sane enough to go and invest in some of this clever combination. So it all comes down to people that are risking their own capital, establishing um, or participating in the creating of the new, non existing before infrastructure. Um, and uh, that is kind of what's in my experience. There was something that you mentioned actually in a Q&A that I, I was reading um, about these sort of scare tactics that are going on on a federal level right now. I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of get your thoughts on that because, you know, we've seen so much resistance, especially from this particular Department of Justice. And, you know, it is surprising given the pro-business stance of the administration but we've seen some of these regulations or the pushback mm-hmm. on some of the regulations that were put in place in the previous administration, particularly with regard to the budgetary constraints on the DEA for prosecuting marijuana offenses in regulation mm-hmm. states. And given that, you'd mentioned that you thought that their intention was to scare the industry into staying treated. I don't believe, I don't believe that this is, uh, um, that this threat will go anywhere. Industry will adapt, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely correct. Since you don't have the money to go and the, after the individual businesses and uh, enforce something that they would like to do stateside, uh, they continue to put pressure uh, to banks. Uh, and even people that are able to maintain and open legal accounts, and by legal I mean clean and open about uh, their business with their bankers, are accounts being closed, new accounts are not being opened, and um, you know cash continues to flow on the street, and um, that creates that unsafety that I guess uh, Session is so much interested to show that he is right somehow he believes that the industry of cannabis brings with it. Um, drugs, uh, cartels, uh, and uh, disturbance of peace, uh, where, as we see it, uh, industry does nothing but convert dark money of the cartels into the taxable clean money for the states. And there's no secret that right now, I don't know where you at and where you're located right this second. But I can virtually assure you that if I'm placed in a place where you are right now in the United States, 
it will take me no longer than 30 minutes to find cannabis. I don't care if it's legal, if it's illegal, I will find it. It's been done I, many, I many times. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Is pre- cannabis is present. We're not, uh, we're not starting to provide cannabis. We're not opening something new. We're not trying to distribute some new, unique miracle drugs. It's there all around us. question is, is society in general, a state in particular, and the federal government benefits from such an availability, or simply trying to spend this endless pit of money that they call war on drugs since 1980, and they continue and continue to throw good money against the bed against the wall, hoping for something to stick. That's really the main question that we need to ask ourselves. What is it that we're trying to do? My expectations from the current administration was that, yes, they are pro-business. And there is nothing more pro-business or American than the rapidly developing American-based industry with so much grassroots and enthusiasm that creates working place, invests into the urban facilities, into the places where money did not commence since the last coal boom or um, since the last time Orange County actually grew oranges, for crying out loud. I mean, why not? It is special interest. Uh, some old stereotypes, very narrow thinking, and uh, fear to change the status quo by the politicians who prefer, who care about nothing more than just re-election. And if they don't know what the electorate position is, they're just trying to keep a, keep a status quo without moving, hoping that somebody else will make that decision and that everybody's happy they will join in. This is... Um, shameful for the politics and uh, I believe very mistaken and wrong for the policy. So that's where I mean you finding ourselves. You raised a really interesting point there and I think that you're absolutely right but when you do follow the money it's it's both sides money that these government agencies that are regulating cannabis are entitled to receive and essentially keep them alive on one hand, and then on the other hand, the election money that is impacting the policy change on cannabis. But there are so many industries that do benefit from prohibition that it really is difficult, I think, for some policymakers to turn their backs on those industries, those big lobbies that do have so much power. and. Sure essentially do get them elected. I mean, I wonder if in our lifetime we will ever see uh, policy change that prohibits these big lobbies from buying elections. But I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, not in our lifetime because uh, for as long as the price of admission goes up, uh, it is an absolute necessity for the um, politicians to find, um, to find that money. Not every one of them is ready to go and become creative and innovative and uh, go just like Obama's administration use the new and unique uh, ways of sending the message to the social media. But even then, they needed a lot of money. So, no, I do not believe so. And quite frankly, I mean, I mean, I, I can see uh, how pharma would not be interested for cannabis industry to participate. And today. Young generation thinks in terms of um, their health benefits. I mean, there's a big um, 
difference between my generation, generation of my kids, and the generations of the younger people than my kids that um, looking towards uh, smoking per se. I still um, remember the time when smoking was considered to be cool. Uh, then we realized that it was dangerous. Again, due to the fact that that's what we saw around us and that's what we heard on TV and that's what we've seen in the movies. Um, my kids um, don't consider smoking cool. They consider it dangerous. Young generation trying to stay away from it com almost completely. Same interest, uh, same um, uh, change of attitude towards uh, banking, uh, conventional and credit cards. And then there are studies published that the millennials don't use cre uh, credit cards. They're not looking to accumulate that. They're trying to more rely on cash. Uh, they're trying for the new and innovative ways to invest. They're trying to skip the middleman. And uh, they try and uh, younger generation trying to pay a little bit more attention to what their body consumes. Uh, so hence, you're organic, you're more vegan, you're uh, farm to table. All of those new dire directions becoming more and more important to them. So for them to know that uh, government has a certain level of hypocrisy and trying to cover up them from having an access to cannabis only just sparks their interest. I mean, and this becomes like one of those uh, prohibited apples that uh, taste so, so great. So by us continuing our policy, we are not winning. We are not creating anything positive. We're wasting our time and our resources and letting the rest of the world, um, and countries like Israel, uh, countries like uh, all the Europeans, like Czechs, Slovs, um, I mean, Germany for crying out loud, go and do and perform research and come up with a more innovative ways of delivery of cannabis, working on that beautiful and unique drug in uh, some of their specialty uh, formulations and uh, finding of the new unique ways to benefit from it. Well, we're just sitting and discussing, um, you know, uh, potheads and long-haired hippies. I mean, I, the only how I can explain it is um, farmer cannot patent the plant. We all have the seeds. So as soon as they were to invest their money under their today's uh, state of mind, today farmer wants one disease, one pill, one 15-year patent, and uh, overcharge the hell out of it, and let's make a ton, ton dollar of money, um, and then move on to the next blockbuster. They cannot do this for the cannabis. It's difficult. And the reason is if they were to invest money into uh, research and they were to find out that a certain combination of cannabinoids and terpenoids create a certain effect, I would say thank you and uh, start growing that plant or start being able to assemble the same group of cannabinoids in a, as simple as tincture and as more complicated as the patches and oil dissolvable strips that we know how to make today. So we learned a lot of stuff that pharma already knows. and. Um, we know how to apply it to the plant that we like and uh, play with. So today they're having less and less secrets to charge us a lot of money and control the patent for a long period of time. Hence, um, they don't like us. And uh, I wouldn't, uh, I cannot blame them. Uh, from the business standpoint, I understand how they can see the risk. And obviously, if I have such a lot of lobbying power, I have an ability to not stop, but delay the process. And that's basically what they've done. Yeah, absolutely, they have. 
I think that, you know, in addition to the pharmaceuticals, too, you've got the other side of the equation, which is the natural resources, oil and gas, and the big agriculture, which grows corn for biofuel and a host of other companies that, that benefit from the prohibition of hemp. And I think that it's very interesting that more and more states are opening up their doors to hemp cultivation, but mm-hmm. yet even though everyone knows by now that hemp is a psychoactive drug, they all know that it shouldn't be in Schedule 1, and yet the pushback is just so obviously (laughs) (laughs) wrong. There really is no reason. It was interesting. um, I'm going to be interviewing an attorney that was involved in a lawsuit that was just dismissed a couple days ago, I should say, to try to take cannabis out of the Schedule 1. And the reasoning that the judgment came down this way and that it was, it was dismissed is because another federal court had basically justified all of the reasons that cannabis was in Schedule 1. And so the judge didn't even bother to look into whether or not that ruling was correctly conceived. So I find it really interesting that even with all of the provisions in like the farm bill and there there are some other uh, hemp regulatory measures that have been taken in Congress, it still remains a Schedule One, and mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it it really it really just defies any logic whatsoever, and it's so obvious. As, that it's wrong, that it, it just... What I, I do still... believe is that during our time, we will hear uh, a sad explanation of a uh, group or individual politicians who will explain to us why that was happening. I'm sure it will be very theatrical and funny, but uh, I hope that uh, within my lifetime, I will hear, um, oh, you know what, we just uh, didn't understand or... Uh, you know, dog ate my homework, or you know, one 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 of those explanations. Because you're right, you're absolutely correct. Denying us an access to the industrial hemp and the derivative of the industrial hemp um, to benefit or supplement uh, in a nutritional uh, or add some nutritional value, uh, even then. That word is almost like a curse word. And banks would stay away from hemp as much as they would from marijuana because for them, it was explained from the federal regulators, it's the same thing. They don't uh, uh, differentiate. I think we are the only country in the world that don't differentiate between the hemp and uh, marijuana. But um, it, it is what it is. And it is beautiful to see that there is a still direct investments coming in industry. Um, there is a still um, strive for creation of the new safer and better ways to consume it, uh, grow it, uh, package it. And then a lot of people that I know in the industry, friends and colleagues, are looking at, uh, at the industry as if um, Federal government tomorrow will walk in and be able to classify as organic, or as if uh, a federal government would be able to give uh, GMP standards to the facility. And this is uh, beautiful. I mean, I really, really enjoy knowing that despite the pushback and despite this 
controversy and duality of the opinions, we do have uh, strive for the quality, uh, for the consistency of the offering, uh, for the creation of the true and real uh, product that can um, benefit people. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad to hear that the industry is not giving up, but rather keeps digging in and pushing again. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, this has been the underlying theme of the last few episodes that we've done. And conscious capitalism really is the bottom line here. I mean, people are are doing this because they're passionate. They're overcoming the obstacles in innovative ways that we've never seen in any, and even in the tech era, there was never this kind of passion and enthusiasm. And there were never as many obstacles that needed to be overcome. So it is encouraging to see just how enthusiastic entrepreneurs remain about this, but also the innovations that are coming up around it that aren't directly cannabis related, but that are helping the cannabis industry to overcome some of these obstacles, like for instance, certain insurance applications and cryptocurrency, which is helping to overcome the banking problems. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we're we're seeing a lot of innovation. I mean, what has been your experience there? Um, you know, what I haven't seen um, much of the cryptocurrency uh, help um, to the industry yet. But again, maybe I'm just uh, not seeing the most uh, recent, like day-to-day trends. Because at the end of the day, you still need uh, funds to be somehow in the banking system, somehow into the credit banking system in order to obtain. Um, uh, the currency or being able to exchange it freely. However, uh, what uh, I agree with you with is the passion that comes from you know a lot of people that have been cultivating and dealing with the uh, material for the medicinal, recreational, uh, spiritual, or any other enlightenment or purpose um, on the ground coming back up. And uh, this underground was uh, very tight. People speak in their own terms. They have their own jargon. They, um, it was a little society, but it was coming from uh, underground on. And they maintained this close tights and uh, maintained the, um, I guess, the unity that comes from being prosecuted. I mean, that's kind of the only way I probably would be able to explain it. Um, and the passion of the participants and uh, willingness to uh, assume that this is a legal industry. I don't look at this industry as illegal, though I understand all the challenges that we described. I look at this industry and this is a, a legal cannabis, legal marijuana. This is how I describe it. This is how I think about it. It's not an option for me to think that, oh, you know what? It is state legal, federally illegal, or it's a gray area. No. In my view, it's a legal industry. Uh, I don't think Genie's going back in a bottle. And the investments that we make and the decisions that we make uh, are made under the assumption that this industry is here to stay. And uh, when a lot of people sharing such a view, it is a powerful thing to see. It is very enjoyable and uh, motivates us to keep going further. Yeah, I think it's funny uh, you say the genie's not going back in the bottle and you're oh, absolutely, no. 
<laughs> You're absolutely right about that. I believe that with the future of this, most people who are in this industry often forget that it is federally illegal. I mean, I know that uh, I do. And every so often, I meet people who are staunchly opposed and who really don't have any understanding as to why I began advocating for this cause. And I'm always stunned when I run into people that way because I'm constantly surrounded by advocates in doing what I do every day, obviously, you know, so, um, so when I do have an opportunity to speak with someone who's staunchly opposed, I find myself, you know, first a little bit stunned, but then immediately launching into what the attributes are, what are the, what are the advantages of this industry? And I let people know that I often forget that it's illegal as well. So that is true. Tell yeah. me, what, is your, what, are, what are the opponents? I mean, if you interview, you find quite a number of the people that are opposing it. I mean, I'm not uh, involved a lot with the opposition of the industry. I mean, except for some you know, nonsense that it's really even hard to uh, call opposition. What would be the main uh, reasons uh, opponents believe that we should all go to hell? For the most part, I don't interview people who are opposed to it, you know, for obvious reasons. I haven't on this show anyway, but just out in everyday life, I run into people who are opposed to it. And the biggest reason that I get is that this is a gateway drug, they say. <laughs> um, they don't, yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, they grew up, most of them grew up on that reefer madness rhetoric and you know and if they didn't grow up during that era if they came of age during the 1970s people are still you know under that impression that you know marijuana is just a dangerous dangerous drug even people raised as recently as the 1980s you know under president reagan you heard him time and again saying that marijuana was the most dangerous substance that was going to wreak havoc on our families and kill our children so there's just so much ignorance which is something you said in the beginning here mm-hmm. and they still in their hearts believe it and even people in my family still, they don't understand the benefits of regulation. And they say, well, if you have medical use in certain states, why on earth do you want this to become legal on a federal level when you've got all the access you need from a medical standpoint, unless it is just for recreational use? And the people who are opposed are mainly opposed to the recreational side of it for fear of what it might do to their... But I do think you might actually create a very interesting uh, show by being able to structure your questions and just uh, get uh, uh, an oppo- opposition speaker, somebody who is truly opposing to you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not telling you how to run your show, but I'm saying it would be very, very interesting or funny, I think, for the majority of us to be able not only to hear first, but being able to dissect and maybe potentially answer some of the concerns that people do have. But as far as uh, gateway trust, I believe so, yeah. But, um, um, some people that smoke, smoke cannabis or consume cannabis uh, end up um, maybe dying from the um, uh, overdose of some other drug. It is a fact of life, just like the fact that some people who were breastfed, I, I also see the recent madness references, but uh, even recent 
like the park to keep us away. It was uh, um, a way to specifically indicate that only certain groups, more like a racist approach to the problem, certain groups using that particular drug, and maybe partially because they don't have an access to the benefits of the proper medical system or uh, an education level. Um, they use that drug, and because of that, they're going to attack the drugs and attack that group. So all of this is very interesting. I think this debate needs to be brought up uh, instead of us trying to defend something that we truly should not be defending. Just think about it. And what are we defending? We're defending something that is happening on every street of every U.S. city. Anywhere. Cannabis is all over us. The truthfully, um, the only thing that we're trying to change is a benefit to the society from what is already taking place. A control over what our kids putting in their system because uh, not, any, not uh, uh, in the entire United States, you can clearly distinguish uh, through your supplier or your dealer between Indica and Sativa, uh, THC or CBC, edible, smokable, and justifiable. And um, on top of this, uh, society in general does not receive a benefit that they should receive from such a commerce, which leads tremendous amount of cash flow into the pockets of the very wrong people uh, without an ability of our society to defend itself against it because this money flows simply cashes treasuries of states and federal. So I think the, the problem is not in cannabis. The problem is how we understand and how we treat it. Uh, alcohol uh, also kills a lot of people. Uh, is a dangerous substance for people susceptible to uh, alcoholism or disease of alcoholism. It is uh, a cause of the billions of dollars in damages in automobile uh, catastrophes, in the uh, excessive medical uh, things. Uh, look at the opioids. Uh, is opioids also blamed on the uh, pothets and uh, um, no, it is a field that are being produced by uh, billions of uh, larger pharmaceutical companies, fully controlled, greatest quality. But these are the fields that are killing people on the street today because they're so addictive. And as the younger generation gets in touch with them, they are not able to get off. Today, there are studies conducted that cannabis are very helpful in calming down the nerves of the junkies that are coming off the opioids and helping people to break off this terrible habit. And um, you know what? Truthfully, if something can help this problem, even distantly, just that alone would be enough for me to write if we need to declassify or somehow bring this cannabis in the accessibility to the marketplace. Because today, kid is going to uh, look for a joint and he goes into the places where he finds a lot of other things that he should not be having access This trip that he just should not be. Yeah. I mean, nobody talks about that. I mean, this is all kind of the left unspoken. We all speak about the dangers of cannabis. Every people that speak about danger of cannabis should bring the direct examples of such a danger. If you're saying it's a beautiful drug, let's 
dissected, let's take a look at it. If we speak about uh, uh, and uh, we don't know where it came from, you're absolutely correct, we don't. And this is the scary thing. When I think about all those years that I would consume cannabis, that was only based on the local availability, what I was putting in my system with this cannabis, how it was grown, where it was cultivated, what pesticides were used, what other poisonous substances have been around next to. Um, the more I know, the more I'm nervous about those years of my total ignorance, quite frankly. Today we have an opportunity to treat that as any other vegetable. I mean, I believe the majority of our growers look at it as just uh, their job to grow broccoli. I don't believe they're concerned with the fact that uh, they are trichomes, that there is a uh, THC, CBD, and uh, a fitted form of it. Uh, I think for them it is just the passion for the plant that they cultivate. And um, that is what a lot of people do not understand. And I think uh, you're doing a tremendous job, and uh, I'm always uh, glad to help because educating the consumer, educating the masses, is what's going to give this industry the future. Uh, not us against them, but kind of coming to the joint common point. And you know what? This medical program is the beginning step uh, for, for state and for people to learn the plan. This is a perfect route. We don't care about it to be fully legal all over the place. We just want to start conversation. We want people to ask questions. We want people to be our devil's advocate. I want somebody to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong and convince me that this is what it is. I'm a flexible thinker. If you have a better alternative, I will listen. If you have something that we can do better, we would like to know about it. But at the same time, talking, talking about 1949 and the Lisa Magnus of 1949 and just uh, some kind of a, uh, a racist or other motion push against the substances and people that are using it, uh, I think it's a little bit uh, childish to continue this conversation in the next century. And that's uh, where I'm at on the subject. I couldn't agree more, and I think it just does go back to education and keeping this conversation going. And you know, you know it's funny when when you think about the gateways. Um, I've interviewed a number of physicians on this show who will tell you unequivocally that not only is it not a gateway drug, it can actually help to alleviate the cravings and terrible effects of people who are trying to wean themselves off of opiates, yes. you know, mm -hmm. and, and really helping to alleviate the addiction tendencies in general. I mean, just the way that mm -hmm. cannabis interacts with, with the human body. So yeah. it could really solve so many of those problems as well, if only given the chance on a federal level. So it's very yeah, interesting. Absolutely and this is, um, it's a great uh, uh, conversation that needs to be had, and uh, uh, like I said, thank you very much for doing what you do, because without the people and advocates like yourself, um, we would not have the voice. And today, thank God, with the industry expanding, we, are ha we have that voice. And uh, more and more uh, people, older generation, people that um, are not, uh, directly involved with the industry, but they're just learning about it. It is interesting how a number of the emails and calls coming to the website, uh, people that are age of my mother, that are digging in and researching and want to find out more, asking questions, 
Um, I mean, politicians, um, sometimes I believe politicians think that um, majority of the people are as ignorant as they are on the subject. And this is definitely not, not a fact. This is not what we're seeing in real life. And I believe that the uh, desire of uh, people to get an access to the medicine, which is the oldest known medicine in the world, uh, it's not stoppable. It's not something that can go back. You cannot just be uninterested because now we know it's very difficult. That's, um, that's kind of my, my two cents on the subject. Thank you for that, and and yeah, I mean, it, it, the passion for getting the word out certainly drives us, and just knowing the truth means that we can't be silenced at all. You yeah. know, it's just, yeah, and I, I think as, as more and more people learn the truth, there will be pressure from constituents that is far greater than the financial pressure from the lobby groups. At least I hope that is the case. I so believe that, that this is how it's going to happen. And again, uh, the truth of the matter is that no matter what tribe you're coming from and uh, where your ancestors grew up, if you um, were brought up to that healer or shaman or whoever was fixing you when you got broken, uh, in his uh, book of, uh, in his bag of tricks, uh, was always a cannabis. And it was traceable back to five plus thousand years ago. So this is an undeniable fact. Everything else is changes in politics, changes in uh, attitudes and opinions. And uh, quite, quite funny, the plant itself is also changed by the politics and opinions. Like uh, my understanding of the genetics of the U.S. grown cannabis is that that was only predominant to was very tall, large plants that was more uplifting in their euphoric effects than sedative with some of the Asian counterparts. But what happened during the prohibition, uh, farmers obviously were challenged to grow those huge trees with the helicopters flying over their heads. And also the risks of the yield became a little bit more um, higher risk. So from growing that uh, beautiful sativa, open-minded, uplifting, uh, chill uh, drug that was average to medium in their THC content and good for the day and late day consumption, uh, we started to bring it and breed it with a little bit chubbier, shorter Afghani Kush and some other indicators that grow them tinier, tinier, so it's easier to hide from the prohibition. And because of that, filling them up with the nursing, which is predominantly uh, an indica terpene, it makes our plant drunker, it makes our plant more druggier, more uh, sleepier, and more um, uh, tiring effect. And today, only now, we're just starting to clean up the genetics of the U.S. plant uh, and kind of recreating what and how our plant uh, really should have been. I'm not saying that Indica is not, does not have a medicinal or any other benefits by, by no means. But majority, like my grower would say, is indigo sativa. She's answered with none of them is. It's always a hybrid of some kind. But there is no more distinct, unique uh, flavorings of the plant any longer. And the reason for it, as I described to you, was just a change in the political outlook on the plant itself. So hopefully, 
with the current movement, we will be able to actually understand and see how the plants were different and geographically, how the uh, God had created them instead of how the man was adapting them for their own political liking or disliking. Yeah, so very true. So very true. Well, Sergey, thank you so much for for being here with me today. I'm I'm really happy that you were able to join me. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And again, good luck in what you do. If you need anything else from us, please reach out. We'll be more than happy to help. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, oh, once again, another show must come to a close. I'd like to personally thank my guest, Sergey Chistoff, for sharing his insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work that he's doing, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click podcast to find today's episode. I'll post his bio along with other information and a link to his website. We have a lot of others to thank as well. First, I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle Health Terra and Compassionate Certification Centers. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update, Eric Goodell for our theme song, Evergreen, and our producing team at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And last but not least, thank you to all of you for listening around the nation. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, inviting you to join me again next week same time, same place for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Join us at the World Medical Cannabis Conference and Expo at the Pittsburgh David L. Lawrence Convention Center, April 12th through the 14th, and meet investors, networkers, new products, and professional athletes, ex-NHL star Philadelphia Flyers Riley Cote, Super Bowl champion Marvin Washington, and more. Register today for early bird pricing at cccregister.com or by calling 888-316-9085. Again, that's cccregister.com com or 888-316-9085 presented by compassionate certification centers now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp derived cbd alpine miracles nano emulsion cbd formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today it's 100 thc free so you can order it online anywhere in the u.s order yours today at alpinemiracle.com scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health get yours today use the code reporter and receive 10 percent off don't wait get it now at alpinemiracle.com you're busy running around from work to kids to evening events Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around simplify your health care with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids by the way you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone video or the mobile app not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone but save up to 85% on those prescriptions this is a supplemental plan and not insurance Healthcare made easy Helterra.com